0: Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Cabbage, and this is a monthly podcast where I go in depth with one author releasing their debut book. If you like what you hear, check out more interviews and book recommendations at daybeautiful.net. Today's guest is a fiction writer, essayist, and book critic whose work has appeared in the New York Times, the LA Times, the Washington Post, the New Yorker, and so many other publications. She is the founder and host of the Other Stories podcast and is a doctoral student at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Her debut novel is All My Mother's Lovers. Please welcome Alana Massa to the podcast. Hey Alana, how's it going?
1: Thank you for having me, first of yeah. all, oh, thank definitely. you, Adam. Yeah. Uh, I love this uh, show and I just, I think it's, it's great. Um, and it's fun to be on this side of the podcasting mm-hmm. table, as it were. Um, I am holding up well so far during this incredibly bizarre moment we are in.
0: How are you? You know what? Thanks for asking. I am. I, I am doing a okay. In the middle of all of this, I started a new day job, um, which is lucky. Ooh. Like I, I'm lucky to have a job that I could work from home and I don't have to worry about anything. But it's weird to be like training on Zoom all day when like the world around mm-hmm. me is falling apart.
1: Definitely. <laughs> yes. Uh, the The constant zooming. Uh, for anyone who's working remotely or teaching remotely or taking classes remotely is um, really something. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And and you mentioned it's good to be on the other side of the podcast. I I do want to talk about your podcast in a little bit, the the other stories, but I kind of want to get to know who Alana is. You are like um, a writer's writer. I feel like you host a podcast, you do book criticism, you are getting a PhD, and you have a debut book coming out called All My Mother's Lovers, but where did did this passion for literature come from?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Ever since I was really little, uh, I've just, I've loved stories. Um, And I I came to reading relatively late in that uh, I just, I had a lot of trouble learning to read um, as a child. Uh, which might have had something to do with learning to read in two different languages at the same time um, and just not liking to do homework. Um, uh, And also, I think I also had this weird fear that uh, if I started reading by myself, then I wouldn't get to be read to by my parents anymore, Um, which even though they said was not the case, of course, once I did finally... You know, learn to read by myself, that just sort of naturally dropped off. So, yeah, so I'm, I, I wonder if I was just trying to make that not happen. Um, and so, I mean, ever since I did learn to read by myself, um, which was when I was about, I mean, I really got comfortable with it when I was about nine or 10. Um, and I just, I sort of never stopped. Uh, it just became the thing that is the most. My most favorite thing to do. Um, I, I always joke that it's it's so lucky that I love it so much because I don't know what I would do with you know I I don't know how I would take breaks if I didn't love reading because I will finish writing a book review and be really tired um, and, and then I'll go and I'll open another book <laughs> and that'll be the thing I do before bed as a break from book criticism. So. I I feel like I'm really lucky in that I've managed to keep loving it for this long.
0: And and with, with that reading, that passion was writing always a passion or did that come up later?
1: That came kind of later. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because I never imagined myself as a writer, as a child. uh, Although I did find uh, when my mom was moving back to the U.S., I, I did find, um, going through sort of my old childhood things, these stories that I would write and these poems that I wrote as a kid. But I, I don't remember conceptualizing myself that way at all. I, I wanted to be an actor for years and years. Um, and that's what I was very, very serious about trying to do. Um, and, and yeah, no, I know I, I really started writing um, creatively, after that kind of after I got my first big disappointment in that arena, which I mean, I was, you know, I was 14. So it's when I say I was very serious about it. I mean, I was just a very intense kid who was really serious about being serious about things. Um, but uh, I think that once I sort of realized that I wouldn't probably get to be an actor, I started looking for something else. Um, and then. I started writing poetry, um, and some short stories, kind of, sort of, through this weird poetry reading that I was introduced to by my first girlfriend when I was in high school, and then, um, and, and then I just kept going,
0: Mm -hmm. and it took
1: me a while to realize that I was doing it seriously, I guess, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah,
0: yeah, like, because you, you had this acting background, did, like, Writing plays or or for the screen ever interest you?
1: No, <laughs> no. I took one class in college that was uh, about game writing, so like for computer game scripts. That because it was just it, it seemed like if I could you know make money writing in some way that would be a really cool way to do it. Um, But like all writing jobs that are creative, that is like an incredibly difficult gig to get. Uh, And I was nowhere near familiar enough with the world to be able to stick it out. Uh, But that was really my only time that I ever tried playing around with script format. It's just not, it's not interesting to me. It requires other people to make it happen. And like, that's, I like other people, but I don't want to need to like coordinate other people, you know, that's too much work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that interests me. You're right, because with a book, it's so insular and you are in control of your own destiny for the most part. Like, there's, you know, publicists and uh, editors, but, you know, 99% of the work that goes into it is you by yourself forever until it finally hits a page that someone's willing to pay to print.
1: Or even even forget about pay to print. I mean, most of my fiction I was actually just talking to a student today who was asking me about sort of what, how I got into the career that I got into, and I told him about, you know, the, the various kinds of writing that I do, um, and I, I mean, I told him that the vast majority of my fiction was not paid for. I mean, I I think before selling a book, I was paid for my fiction exactly three times, you know, in 10 years.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. You, you do do a lot of different writing. Um, this... You you said you kind of started being serious about it. When did you realize this could be a career writing stories or book criticism? When did you start really getting serious?
1: I am still not convinced that it can be a career. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I wish I, I wish I I wish I were. Um, I mean, it is something that I do, and it's something that I get paid to do. But I have never. Been able to, um, you know, live off of just freelancing, um, and there are no staff positions to be found. It seems um, it's something that I deeply, deeply love. Uh, but I started doing it again because it was one of the sort of many, many paths that I was trying to take uh, because of this, you know, because of the reality of the writing world. Um, So, I mean, when I, when I wanted to be an actor, I mean, this is part of why this weirdly connects when I wanted to be an actor, when I was really young, my dad sat me down and he told me, you know, okay, if you are serious about wanting to act, that is great. And I will support you. And I, you know, your mom and I will always support you in in doing what you love. But I want to explain to you because he'd been involved with some like actual working actors in his life um, and used to work in TV and stuff. So, He told me that, you know, I want I want you to understand that it's a really long road um, and it's you're not going to be paid very much. uh, And it's going to take a long time until you get money. And uh, my memory of this is that I was very precocious and that I said, that's fine. I'll waitress. I'm not sure if that is how it actually happened. I, I, I hope it is because it's such a great line that I was just like so willing to work whatever I needed to work in order to. Be an actor. Um, but basically, that's what happened to me as a writer, you know, I just found, I went to as many lengths as I could to figure out all of the ways in which I would potentially be able to make money writing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I just started doing all of them, because none of them paid enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of... Yeah, I no, I mean, that is, the, like, like you said, there's no staff writing positions to be found, especially, you know, I saw a tweet recently, and I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was, you know, only in journalism are you okay with your job being threatened to be cut every six months because mm-hmm. it's so volatile in the writing world, you know? I mean, not even the literary yeah. writing world, which pays pennies compared to journalism, which pays pennies to everything else, you know? Right. Yeah, when you went to Sarah Lawrence, it was, were you, because you were past 14, you had your acting heartbroken kind of, were were you already trying to write then?
1: Kind of. um, I don't think I was really, I didn't really know what I wanted. Um, I knew that I wanted to get an education. I knew that I wanted to, forget education. I knew I wanted to go to a place where learning would be fun. Um, because I always knew it could be, but it never happened. You know, school isn't, um, for many of us. Um, and I was a good student, but I was never having fun. Um, I was never really enjoying what I was studying, but I knew that I could, I knew that it was possible, you know, like I knew that it was possible to be in a classroom where you could feel actually titillated and you know on edge in the best way um and like your brain was doing something better. and yeah so I went to Sarah Lawrence um which is a strange lovely place with issues like every other college um and while I was there was actually when I realized oh I think I'm going to be a writer or I think I want to be a writer and I'm getting these nods from people that they think that this is possible for me if i keep working
0: and then did you go that that,
1: felt really special
0: did you start publishing then uh, trying to get short stories and criticism and whatever you could or were you just writing for yourself at that point
1: at first i was writing for myself so i i also i took a year off because i um was severely anorexic. Uh, and so I took a year off in the middle of college. And, uh, during that year I finished writing, uh, I mean, I, well, first of all, I read like more books than I'd ever read in my life in such a short span. I think I read like 144 books that year. Um, and I also was writing this, this like 200,000 word high fantasy young adult, something that was likely terrible. Um, But, you know, but I was doing it. And then when I went back, I kept taking classes. Um, And when I was doing my year abroad, um, I I got into the there was Sarah Lawrence has like this Oxford exchange program. And so I got to go there. And that was where I sort of first started trying to both publish fiction and where I began learning about criticism and journalism Mm -hmm. in any kind of sense
0: and then and then you you end up with uh going to get your masters in english at the university of nebraska where you're currently a doctoral student so you've been there quite a while mm-hmm. was that right away yeah. that you decided i'm going to continue this 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 path
1: not at all no okay. um i so i i didn't originally plan to get any more degrees at all um i Moved to New York City after college, as many people who want to work in publishing and are lucky enough to have parents who can help them pay their rent for a couple months uh, are able to do. Um, and then I, I got an internship with a literary agency um, and then couldn't get a job, couldn't get a job, couldn't get a job, um, partially. I refused uh, to take my piercings out for interviews um, because I felt like it would be wrong to present myself as something other than I was, even though in hindsight, of course, like I could have just taken them off and then put them in and just, you know, they couldn't have fired me, presumably, because wouldn't that have been a suable offense or something? But anyway, who knows? Um, Eventually, I got a part-time job working for an agent and uh, a part-time job working at Paragraph, uh, which is a writer's space in New York, which is really wonderful. Um, And then I kept freelancing, um, which didn't pay very well. Um, So I was working, you know, essentially, I don't know, I mean, I was freelancing in various spheres at the time, trying to just like, make enough money to pay rent, uh, and occasionally go out and have a drink um because New York is ridiculously expensive but you know so I I was doing a lot of different kinds of work and I got tired I just got really tired um and that's when I decided I I love New York and I wish I could stay and live here forever and keep doing this forever but also I think that I write again properly. And I'd also sent out during that time, um, three or yeah, three books to agents, um, and had them rejected. Um, but I was learning a lot, you know, I was learning a lot about the industry and I was learning a lot about editing and I was getting to know a lot of people who were writers and getting to know just like, a lot of different communities that have become and remained great communities. But I, yeah, but I was just, I was really tired of the pace. I was exhausted. So I, I started applying to PhDs and MFA programs literally just to like find a way to get health insurance, <laughs> um, which is sad, uh, but also I think true. Um, and, you know, I mean, and, and I do enjoy learning and I do enjoy getting to sort of again sit in classrooms that feel Mm -hmm. nurturing and interesting and like we're talking about things that are broadening my mind and the program I attend also has a lot of teachers here who care about sort of the ways in which literature can actually affect the world or the ways in which literature is gatekeeping and there's sort of a lot of people here that I feel are very much care about sort of real world consequences in relation to literature and that's that feels good. Um, so, I mean, I found really good people here, and I'm glad that I came here. Um, but it it really was in many ways sort
0: of... And then from starting your master's to currently uh, being there, how long have you been in Lincoln?
1: Uh, three years. So I actually applied to just as a PhD program and got my master's kind of along the way. Oh, okay. it's like I, I Yeah, so I just was directly admitted, and then... I decided I should get my master's because what if I don't make it through all of the years of the PhD because, again, I'm getting tired.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I just want to spend a lot of time on your background because I think, like you said, you you learn the industry. Writing doesn't pay. And, like, I think a lot of people out there who aren't necessarily – who want to be writers – see this very uh, singular path to becoming a writer in some way. And I always Mm -hmm. like to get these stories out that, you know, these these paths aren't straight and arrow. There's a lot of bends and curves into them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I also, that's that's partly what I tell my students, you know. I mean, I, I always want to encourage people to be writers. I just also feel like, you know, I didn't necessarily understand what it meant to be a writer, you know, when I decided I was going to be or wanted to be, um, and I had to kind of muddle my way through and and try a whole lot of different things um, in order to figure out how it was going to work for me. And I think I think that that is the case a lot of people. Um, and yeah, and, and we don't we don't talk about it very much. And I, I think it's important because people tend to give up if they think that they can't access the one way that they see into becoming a writer. And that's just not the way many, many of us end up
0: mm-hmm. being writers, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. You mentioned during your New York years, you sent out books that were rejected. Were those also high fantasy, like that first book you had attempted? Or what, what were no, those no, about? No, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, The first one uh, was this very... I mean, I still, I still love it and want to go back to it. This is like the one book that I think I will actually revive. Um, It's this very lyrical sort of language heavy book um, about 24 hours in Oxford, which was just a city that I really fell in love with um, because it's so strange, beautiful. Um, And yeah. And, and, and so it's just very sort of, I mean, the, the only time I saw anyone else that had done, the, the only time I saw that it might be possible to do something like that in, the, in contemporary times, you know, like obviously plenty of authors have written books like this. It just, I, had, I started feeling like no one was publishing anything like this anymore. Um, and then I, I discovered Amir McBride um, and she's, such, she's so wonderful and so lyrical and plays with her language while also telling, you know, really beautifully beautifully told stories. Um, and so that was sort of made me feel like, oh, this is possible. I can actually maybe try to do this. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was one. Um, and another was one that I had been writing throughout college, um, that I don't think I will ever come back to. That was a, a literary novel that I was, I was trying things out. I like a lot of the people that I wrote in it. I just, I don't, I don't really know what I would do with it anymore. Um, because I, I edited it and changed it so many times to the point where I just don't even trust myself with it or trust it as a concept anymore, really. Um, and then the last one was this this attempt at writing a, a collection of short stories that was sort of using an experimental format. Um, I mean, it, the, the format itself of each story was a little bit different, but they were all the same exact lengths, including their title. And so I really enjoy formalistic play. Um, and so I was trying to, I was linking those together in this way that um, was sort of through emotion rather than through plot and through sort of happenstance and coincidence in a very episodic way that didn't really hold together as a novel. Um so yeah, so those were the things that I tried before this.
0: And I asked because I just I, I have a feeling I know what the answer is, but what what interests you in when you're reading and writing, what's the what's the one thing that you gravitate towards?
1: Oh, I I don't know that there is one. I think there's two. Um I think, I think, at well, at least, no, three. There's three. Because there are very different kinds of ways of during, being drawn into a book for me, I guess. So uh, character is sort of the, you know, that's the the natural first one that is, you know, that goes deepest and has been the longest in my life. You know, this just this being drawn to character and to how characters are on the page and how I can empathize with them or imagine them or conceive of them, you know, um, that's first. But then the other things that I think, as I, as I read more and as I learned more and as I sort of became just a more diverse reader um, or a reader of more diverse works of of sort of varying genres and and styles, um, I became drawn very much to both language. So again, sort of the, attention to language and, um, and formal qualities. Uh, so I really enjoy experimental work that, that does something interesting and novel, pardon the pun, with the structure of the novel, which I, I really do. I mean, I, I have a kind of, I don't know, I, I feel very, very, very strongly that the novel is a form can and will continue to constantly be reinvented because that is the entire point of it. It is a long form prose thing and that's it. That's the only thing that makes a novel a novel, really, you know, um and, and I think it's really exciting and wonderful when people are when people play with what that means and what that can mean and, and what that can look like. Um and I, I love when people get to make those risks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to assume that language or, and or form was the one thing that drew you in just based on hearing what those previous uh, book attempts were, and then All My Mother's Lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't even talked about your book. Tell tell me and readers, in your own words, what All My Mother's Lovers is.
1: Sure. So it's a book about um, a queer woman named Maggie, uh, who, whose mother dies very unexpectedly, and she has to go home to California. She she lives in St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and she has to go home to California to, um, you know, a plan, help plan and attend uh, the funeral and shiva of her mother. And she discovers in her mother's will, uh, these five letters that her mother asked to be sent out after her death. Uh, and the letters are all to men that Maggie has never heard of. And uh, sort of wanting to escape the claustrophobia of her grief and of the way that she's sort of scared of how her father has changed in the wake of her mother's death, Um, she decides to hand-deliver these letters uh, to these men and begin sort of learning new things about her mother.
0: And then your three loves of of literature and writing, character, language, and form, which one came first for All My Mother's Lovers?
1: Oh, character. Mm -hmm. Absolutely Mm -hmm. character for this book. Yes, yes, it's a book that's fully feels to me fully about and, you know, just deeply invested in character.
0: Yeah, I I really, like, gravitated towards... I I keep saying this recently, and maybe it's just because I'm picking really good books to read, but the characters are so alive and jump off the page in this book, especially.
1: Um, I'm so glad. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I... I read it when I first moved to Denver, so it had to be uh, late January, early February, and I hadn't started a job yet, so I was like just going to cafes and reading it. And at one point, the guy was like, do you want a refill? And I was like, halfway through the book. Um, <laughs> um, when, when did... Who was the first character that became fully realized?
1: Maggie, I think. Um, because she was the one who sort of, you know, the sentence the first sentence of the book was really the the way the book idea came to me. Um, and so she was the person that I was imagining first and trying to figure out first. Um, but very quickly I realized, I think that, that I needed to figure Iris out in order to figure Maggie out. Um, so it, it then sort of became an in, in tandem thing, I think.
0: Yeah. And, and, and figuring these characters out, you couldn't figure out Maggie without iris when are when and how are you figuring out your characters? Are you pushing forward writing in the novel or do you really step back and figure out who these people are off the page?
1: Everything I've written has been has had an extremely extremely different process um, and so this is the first time where I really sort of had I mean, I had an idea for a plot early. That had never happened to me before, ever. Um, you know, like I, I, I had a plot. I, I'm not used to having plots. <laughs> um, and so I think that because of that, because I really felt pretty certain about what the plot was going to be, I did this thing that I'd heard of other writers doing called pre writing. <laughs> and I'd never, I don't think I'd ever done that before because I used to be very much. Um, just a writing into the mystery person, um, but but no, but with this one I was just I, for about a month, I think or two months i I was just journaling and doing morning pages and writing from i mean not journaling about myself, I was journaling about these you know these characters and trying to figure out who they were and just you know imagining their backstories and writing like you know so i 'm going to now think about this man of you know that iris was being in this particular time and now i'm going to think about what his life was like before her and after her and and what she imagined about his life and you know like i just did a lot of that stuff before i got to actually writing the scenes um yeah which i really had never done before and it was interesting it was a cool
0: process do you think this novel was successful because of that or it was just happenstance that you tried that with this book
1: I don't know. I think because the characters were never what people complained about in the other books. Um, I suspect that no. I think that because I had a plot this time was really what helped <laughs> this book work.
0: And then developing the plot, the you know, the different men, you said that that came really early for you did it look like it looks now with the letters and, or the will and the letters, or did that unfold over time as you got to know the characters?
1: No, no, that, that was the plot. That was was it right away. When I realized that I had, oh, I have this, I have a, like, I have letters, I have a road trip story. Oh, that's it. I have a plot. I know, I know what I need to do. You know, like I didn't need, I I didn't plan that much more than, I have a character and she's going to go, deliver letters, and that delivery is a plot, because it is it, it, it includes um, you know, driving from one place to another, and that is literal movement, I felt like, oh, I'm set. You know, like, I, I have a plot. I know how to make this work. Which, I mean, I know that can't work always, I'm assuming, or every novel would be a road trip novel, but, like, it just, it did in this particular instance.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, when did you as you were writing, were you playing with language and form throughout that or did you just try to get everything down and then go back to to explore that?
1: Oh, oh gosh. Um no no. I I was definitely not playing with those things in this book really. I mean form a little just in terms of figuring out how to structure the novel, you know? Um, but I, I don't feel like I mean, you know, I care about language, but I don't think that I was writing this book in a way that was sort of paying more attention to language um, than I was paying attention to all of the other things that I was paying attention to as well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense. No, it definitely
0: does. Um, and then, like, your book's not out yet, but I'm assuming, and how do I phrase this? I'm assuming many people might ask you, and I'm not asking you this, but oh. that I'm, but that many okay. people would ask you, "Is this autobiographical? Where did you pull this from? Do you feel do do you anticipate that
1: um i mean <laughs> i did uh, I did, which is why I put the dedication uh in the book that I have there <laughs> uh, because the book is literally dedicated to my mother, who is not the mother in this book. <laughs> um, which was a very deliberate move on my part that I made a decision about very early in in the process because the minute I realized that I was writing about a mother and a daughter Mm -hmm. um, and my mother is, you know, alive uh, and in my life and I just, having seen the questions that debut novelists get, Mm -hmm. um, I decided, I mean, this is, way before I knew I was gonna sell this mind you mm-hmm. I in my fantasy world of like maybe I'll manage to sell this book I was already thinking just if I ever do sell this the dedication will have to be this because I my poor mom does not deserve everyone asking her so who are the men <laughs> no it is not it is not based on autobiographical experience at all um, I mean there are plenty of parts of me in the book because Mm -hmm. of course but I my mother did not I did not discover any uh letters Mm -hmm. and it that did not happen upon my father's death either I didn't just like gender swap them Mm
0: -hmm. you mentioned like of course there's parts of yourself in in this book were there parts of yourself in the other books as well Is, is that something you always pull from
1: Oh, I didn't even mean deliberately. Mm. I mean, I, I'm sure there are. Oh, okay, I think,
0: okay.
1: I don't think that way. I don't like, as, as a, my, my way of writing fiction is that I have very, a very difficult time ever thinking about where I fit in in the book. I only realize sort of in hindsight, like, oh, well, of course, these are things that fit or that I drew from life or something. It's not, I don't think it's very conscious. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was just reading um, the Pen Ten interview with C. Pam Zhang, and she, and the, mm-hmm. I think the question was about like identity and 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 herself in the book. And she said, you know, I, I dread answering that question, but I know I have to. Um, and and the idea right. of like identity in your book it, it parallels like you know like sitting shiva, which is something yeah. not everyone does. So and and they might draw parallels to the real you. And the Maggie, sure. yeah. Um, I yeah, had no, yeah. yeah. I Yeah, I don't think I had a question there. I just was thinking about identity a lot in, in literature because I feel if I ever wrote a book as a white guy who lives in a major city, no one's gonna be like, "Well, how did being a white guy in a major city have, like influence this book?" <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> right? Although, although, I mean, if we we can yeah. be having those conversations, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, being a white guy in a major city is is an experience. You know, it's it's that's the whole thing. Is if we're if we treat it like that as the default, then mm-hmm. we don't get to actually talk about what that means.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean,
1: I'm sure I'm sure that it feels a certain way to be a white guy in a thing. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I've been just reading more and more interviews, and which is what I've been trying to do over the past few years, especially, is just to see how writers talk about literature. Um, mm-hmm. It just reminds me of uh, I think it was Lauren Groff who. She refused to answer the New York Times. Well, what is it like being a mother who writes? (laughs) And, um,
1: ah, yes, that
0: was great. And it's just like, I I just been thinking about that more because I've been guilty of it asking, oh, what like asking the simple questions that, oh, not the simple questions, asking the wrong simple questions, I would say. And it's just been Mm. interesting as, 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 as more diverse as my reading has gotten which I feel like I was always kind of diverse from that might be the wrong word, different viewpoints of the world. I, Mm -hmm. I become more conscious about how I read. I I, I guess. Yeah. I'm just rambling. I mean,
1: I think we're all, we're all learning. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so many of us were, you know, raised in, in various ways that entrenched certain opinions and, or beliefs or norms. And like, you know, our, I don't want to say job because it's not a cap- It's not a job in, like, the capitalist sense. But the thing we can do as we get older and wiser and, and, you know, more thoughtful and responsible people is just to, like, listen and learn and improve. Mm-hmm. Right? That's all we can do.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I, I do want to bring up, and I, I, I like that your, your bio is a queer Israeli-American. Was that always something that you you put into your bio to just introduce yourself to readers as?
1: Yes. And you know, it is actually something that I'm growing more and more uncomfortable with. Okay. Interestingly enough. Yeah. Um, I think for a long time, I, I, that is, that was a way for me to introduce myself partially because it, I wanted to, I, I, Wanted. I think I needed for quite a time to make it really clear early on when I was introducing myself to editors or professional contacts that, like, I did not grow up here. Um, Just because that means that my experience of this country is different. Um, And even though I don't have an accent in English, you know, like, I mean, I, I have a flat American accent. Uh, So I do have an accent, but I mean, I don't have, I don't have a discernible Israeli accent. Um, It, you know, so people would assume that I was, that I was born and raised here. Uh, You know, they would often not assume I was Jewish. Um, And so doing that for a long time was just a sort of coding so that I was not, I guess, so that no one would, speak to me or or assume that there were things that was that it was safe to say around me that I didn't want them to say around me or that I didn't want to need to deal with, you know. Um it was just sort of a way of, you know, making it clear that like I'm not I I am not a white wasp from Connecticut, which there are many wonderful white wasps from Connecticut. I just mean that like I was not one of them. And I I after college, when I was around a lot of them, it, it took me a while to realize that, that, you know, that I had been ignoring a lot of weird stuff that I had either, like, been trying to assimilate into myself or that I was sort of ignoring about my own identity um, so yeah, but I think that the I'm I'm more and more becoming uncomfortable with it because of sort of the uh, political nature of the of the words Israeli of the of the nation that is consider or the you know, the internationally recognized nation of Israel um versus the non internationally recognized or which should have been because it had been, um, but it's not uh, Palestine, even though, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of history that I think was elided, even from me, even from someone who like was raised extremely left wing by very like woke parents as it were. Um, So there's, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm grappling with it. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about it. I mean, it's there in my bio. It's going to be on the book. It yeah. is what it is right now. But um, it's it's a complicated identity space to live in that is also constantly being um, politicized by other people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which also complicates it.
0: Mm-hmm. And just switching topics r- r- wildly please. and rapidly, um, <laughs> just because I want <laughs> please, to keep—I don't want please. to keep you all night. Um, I do want to talk about your podcast, the other s- stories. It mm-hmm. is. lovely um you started a while ago what was what what drew you to starting a podcast you know so many years ago when podcast kind of right around the boom of podcasts i guess five years ago
1: yeah yeah it was five years ago um yeah yeah it's it's old by now uh it's a seasoned veteran Uh, really yeah uh feels like it um but yeah, I mean, the, the reason that I started it was because I was living in New York and no longer in writing workshops because I was no longer in college. Uh, and I just wanted to keep talking to writers. <laughs> and I wanted there to be a space where writers could talk to writers. And it felt to me like I didn't know where those, I, I didn't, and I still don't really know where those spaces exist. I mean, I think that Twitter is one of them now for people who like social media, uh, but that's still a very particular form Um, And I mean, I don't, I think that there are, there are specific writers who get to talk about the ins and outs of like the writing process or the writing life with their friends or with their loved ones. Um, But I think a lot of writers, even when they have a writing community, you know, you don't often get into those nitty gritty conversations and that could be fun. Uh, And I, I like those. And yeah, so I just I I wanted to keep talking to people about it, so yeah. I I did it.
0: That's exactly what Day Beautiful started as. I am very tangentially in the literary world. Like I do not write fiction myself. I just like to read, and I started freelancing like with doing interviews, and then mm-hmm. getting paid is great, and I love that. But then part of it was like yeah. oh, I would just love to talk to every single person I could talk to and not have to worry about an editor. Right, you can
1: only pitch so many <laughs> yeah. things, right? Mm-hmm. Or they'll only accept so many things. Exactly,
0: because like we said, the literary world has, you know, a dollar to its name. It can't pay everyone everything. Basically. <laughs> um, yeah, yep. but I just wanted to give a shout-out to the other stories, and I usually end, Thank you. like, podcasts with asking for book recommendations. You, you know, you are a critic, You have you have criticism out there, but you also love to read just because you love to read. Is there anything recently your upcoming that you just love so much
1: oh my gosh um i should have
0: told you i I was gonna ask this question because i feel like you have a lot of no 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 it's
1: good it's good it's good because what i'm gonna actually do is i'm not going to recommend anything that i've written about because i have written about it Mm -hmm. and those are out there to be found Uh um and instead i think i want to recommend. Things that like you know that I have read for pleasure and that that I have not gotten to write about for various reasons, um, either just because it's an old book or um, because no one let me write about it. Um, so yeah, so I think um, let's see. I definitely love everything that Brian Morton has written, um, which is cheating a little bit because he was a mentor, Um, but I've never gotten to write about his work. Uh, So I genuinely just really do love it Um, and think he's just such a beautiful, tender writer. Um, And I really, really love um, the book version of um, Ella Enchanted, which is a, a middle grade book. Um, and it's not, you know, uh, yeah, it's just a book from my past that I like to pick up occasionally, um, because it's so like lovely. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelves right now because I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for the kind of some of the books that I was thinking of oh uh joseph oh no I, i've written about josephine johnson by now so now i can't actually recommend her Ooh, i've not written about Yah jesse Yah jesse i love i love ya jesse uh, i've read now her second book as well because uh, at being a critic i got to get a, an early copy uh but i probably won't get to write about her because she's represented by the same agent as i am so that would be like a con- weird conflict of interest but oh my goodness her new novel is so beautiful and everyone should like run out and get it when it is out, which I think will be in uh, in September. Um, I re- weirdly love, I mean, I don't know if it's weird. I love, love, love uh, The Girls by Emma Klein. I really love that book. Um, I just thought it was a really eerie distillation of like girlhood in a, of a certain kind. Um, and uh, wait, there was something else that I was, had on the tip of my tongue that was, I was just thinking about, hmm. shoot, where did it go? Where did it go? Oh no. Oh no. It was there. Yes. Too many books. Um, oh no, it was, it, I was just going to mention again, the person that I mentioned earlier, I McBride, um, who is a, an Irish author, uh, who I love.
0: Thank you so much to Alana for recommending those books and talking with me about her career, her books, and everything in between. You can find her on the internet at alanamassad.com, and her Twitter, which I highly recommend, is AlanaSlightly, I L A N A, slightly. Please check her out, subscribe to her tiny letter, subscribe to her podcast. Everything about her is what the literary community needs right now and in the future. Thank you for listening to Day Beautiful, the podcast. Please check out Day Beautiful, the website, or Day Beautiful, the social media. It's at Day Beautiful on all three of the main social media sites, and it is daybeautiful.net, not .com. I couldn't get that, and I'm not going to pay a lot of money to buy it from a random person. I'm Adam Fitcavage. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being safe during COVID-19. I hope everyone's doing okay. Until next time, have a good one.